Hello, Whovians. If you're looking for a long-form podcast about your favourite show, then you've found it. This is the pilot episode of a podcast we like to call Who Doesn't Have a Podcast? Just a few production notes before we get into it. One, this is our first attempt at doing this. Well, actually, it's our like fifth attempt at doing this. But we are novices, so transitions are a bit rubbish. Sound quality dips out. We'll learn as we go along. But if you can put up with that, then you're going to have a smashing time. Two, this is a spoiler-filled discussion. Uh, We consider this to be a spoiler-filled podcast, so if that's not something you're into, we wouldn't necessarily suggest that you stick with it. Um, We go into spoilers about specific episodes, but also we discuss general spoilers and also sort of theories, maybe our own theories or maybe things that we've come up online. So we just thought we'd give fair warning. Uh, That's all from me for now, so enjoy our pilot. Hello and welcome to Who Doesn't Have a Podcast. My name's Michael Priestley and with me, my co-host... Jerome Dowling. So we were just discussing before we started recording this, this is our third attempt at doing this. Um, the previous two attempts at recording this podcast have not gone well, so this very much could be the pilot. We cross all of our fingers and toes. Wibbly wobbly, timey-wimey. This is the one. Stone roses. Yeah. This is the one. This is the one. There's going to be no technical glitches. And it's actually really, really good timing because we're going to talk about the Centenary episode, which aired, I can't remember now, two weeks ago now? Oh, yeah, it's Sunday. So two weeks ago today. So we thought we'd run through our sort of general thoughts on it. Um, I know we've got a lot of thoughts on it. Um, And we thought we'd start with the big one, the, the, the sort of final moment of the episode, the regeneration into David Tennant and I think obviously this is really exciting but very interesting because for so long now a lot of the sort of Doctor Who fan base have decried anybody who says David Tennant's going to come back people always say you know you need to move on Uh, he's never coming back that was a golden area of the show but it's not happening anymore it's gone we need to welcome new people but now actually the showrunners have decided to bring back David Tennant Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on that are like David for me. Well, David. Well, no, David was kind of like the first real Doctor for me that I was, you know, like very passionate about. That's not to say that I wasn't passionate about Christopher Eccleston, but because he was only there for one series, it was like sort of over the blink of an eye. And then David came along and sort of very quickly established that he was like this character, this beloved character that everyone was going to go on a journey with. Same for Matt Smith. They were like my two doctors. But David, David's always going to be in people's hearts, not only because his portrayal of the character was so strong, but also the writing that accompanied him was equally just as good. Um, however, saying that all aside, as happy as I am to see David back, um, because I think it's, you know, in terms of centenary, in terms of the celebration of the show, I think it's a good thing. It should have been done anyway. Don't know how you feel about this, Mike, but to me, this smells of panic. This really smells of panic. Oh, I was reading stuff. I was reading stuff about this. I don't agree, but I'll I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. Well, it's, I mean, we can go into it more. I, I I I think this smells of panic in the sense that um, I feel like I know I know he's Russell's boy in the sense, um, but I feel like if we look at where the show is. <laughs> where the show was. Um, I I just feel like bringing if if they were to bring David back for longer than they are it, in my head it would make more sense. But this almost feels like, and some people already in critics and stuff have been calling it the Bridge Doctor, and it does feel a little bit. I don't know. Just I'm not saying it's going to be. I don't want to get it wrong. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. They might have come up with a brilliant storyline in order to fit this in and how it works. I'm just saying what we're going into it with does smell of panic, personally. But go on, tell me what your thoughts are. I'm interested to see what they do. I'm interested to see what they do, because whilst I don't agree that it's a panic mood as such, and I'll tell you why I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that because the announcement that Russell T Davis was coming back to the show was exciting enough, and I think exciting enough for a large portion of sort of the ex-Doctor Who fan base. So 
people who may have fallen off the wagon with the show. I think it was exciting enough when he was announced that he was coming back as showrunner to bring people back to it. And the casting of Shooty Gatwa, I think, is a genius move, which will attract, you know, you know, thousands and thousands of new fans. Plus, the fact that they've co-partnered up with Disney Plus is a big move, and it's being co-financed by Bad Wolf Productions. I think these are all sort of sort of shows of confidence in the show. So I don't think the David Tennant casting is because they were panicking. I think they were they they'd already shown that they were confident with the show, and they were confident with its future. I'm interested to see why they've done it and how they, because I think it is, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. I think it is to to reach out to all of these people that may have sort of, may, may have drifted off with Doctor Who and to sort of get back to the glory days. But I don't know if that's necessarily done uh, because people are panicking. I don't know. I, I mean, know. it's, it's, yeah, it, it just feels like I, I I know what you're saying, and I feel like um it could be a re- I think if there was someone to make this work, it would probably be Russell, given his ability to tell stories and his just general success with the show. Um, but I do feel like, I mean, look, that we might get an answer to this, and obviously every doctor has different stories. They've had different things happen to them. There's all sorts of possible inroads. It's like when we had Capaldi come in, and you know, he, we we were given the reason as to why he chose that face, for instance. When um, it's uh, I can't remember which Capaldi episode uh, he kind of it might be the first, it might be his very first one actually, where he goes, but why I kind of chose this face. They've done stuff in the past where they kind of have reasons for things, but I just feel like why bring back David. You could bring back Matt. You could bring back like anyone. Like it just there's specifics. I mean, obviously, I know you. There's probably reasons why they wouldn't bring back an older classic Doctor, for example. But it just feels a bit like why bring David back? I'm not against it, by the way. I I love David Tennant. I think he's going to do a smashing job, and it's great that as well that Catherine Tate's coming back back as Donna Noble because that's equally as as exciting. But then I also go, it's not just you're bringing back the Doctor. Are you're bringing back companions from that Doctor? Is he the 14th Doctor? Is he the 10th Doctor? Are they the same person? Like, There's all these questions that will inevitably be asked and answered. Well, I think the BBC have put out wording already that have referred to him as the 14th Doctor. So technically, I don't think he's playing the same character. I don't think he's playing the 10th Doctor. But then he's going to be seen with Donna Noble. I read a really interesting um, thing about Catherine Tate's Donna Noble coming back. This is a spoiler alert, so for anybody who's listening who doesn't want, you know, for potential spoilers, yeah, it's already been rude, but I'll just I'll just say it now and someone could fast forward if they wanted to fast forward through this bit. Is I don't know if you remember this, but the doctor set up a part of the plot was that set up like a defense mechanism with Donna Noble. So if she was ever in trouble, if she would ever be attacked, um, it happened in the end of time that the master went after her and she almost like exploded or something happened in it and it you know I, I, I'd have to go back and watch it but it was like a defense thing and um, I read a really interesting theory that the celestial toy maker attacks Donna for some reason probably to get to the doctor and the doctor regenerating into David Tennant happens at the same moment and that's all part of the defense mechanism so it almost reminds the doctor to go back and check on Donna to it to want of a better sort of I, I thought that was a really interesting um I want to I want to um, um just jump in there on that um it because it that it does sound, sound like an interesting theory and obviously like if it plays out that way it'd be interesting to see there's a thing said recently do you think Doctor Who's being spoiled too much by rumors and spoiler mills that are coming out because like the doctor the him regenerating um sorry the doctor regenerating into David Tennant was kind of it wasn't confirmed news, but it was sort of well-known news way before it happened. Well, they they were filming they were filming out in the open, weren't they, in Bristol? So a lot of people yeah. knew that David Tennant was filming scenes for Doctor Who. So that's where the question oh, came up, I guess. Oh, yeah, I know that, but just in terms of like what you're saying with that theory about the toy maker and stuff, like obviously it could all be bogus. Do you know what I mean? But there does seem to be more and more. And obviously that's the nature of things today, isn't it? With social media and just rumour. And if you're a fan of something, you can't always like escape these things. But it is, it is, it is, um, 
it's interesting how they're trying to, although, you know, saying that there were some elements of the uh, Jodie's regeneration episode that were really kept well under the wraps. I'm sure we'll get onto that in a little bit, but there were certain things that they were like, wow, okay, that was, that was new news. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's, in, it's, it's interesting because I don't think they, so actually two things I should probably clarify. I did say the Celestial Toymaker, that that was a confirmed fact. That isn't a confirmed fact. Neil Patrick Harris could be playing anybody. Um, it was just because there have been sort of various sort of pictures from location, like um, the uh, there's a picture of like a toy shop, for example, and he's dressed in a very eccentric way, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, that's all rumor as well. I think I think I think I think he's probably playing a villain. Looking at looking at the pictures, which villain that is, who knows? I think he's tried to steal the Doctor's remaining lives um, because he's the Valiard. Of course, you do. Um, and I feel like. As the Valyard, he's going to uh, have a big say on kind of the future of the Doctor. Because, Mike, as we will do in future episodes, we're going to go through some classic Who episodes. And that is very That's much, very on, much on your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just for a bit, a bit of context for anybody who's listening that isn't us. Um, Jerome is obsessed with the Valyard. Uh, when we watched the 50th anniversary special together, which, lest I remind you, was 10 years ago. That's mad. Absolute madness, or coming up to ten years ago. It's nine years ago, I guess, isn't it? One of your main predictions was the Valiard was going to be in, be in it, and I and I know why you think that. I know he was, you know, backing Classic Who, which I haven't seen much of. He was sort of it was positioned that he was like between the twelfth and the thirteenth Doctor, I think, or he was a future regeneration or something like that. I mean, I don't. I mean, what what Mike what Mike is saying is uh, in rather gentle, polite terms is that he has no respect for me and my theories of the Valiard. And is determined to see me fall on my arse again um, when Neil Patrick Harris appears as the celestial toy maker. He very well could be the Balliard. I just think it's a bit suspicious. It is a bit suspicious that in the background there is a shop that is for toys or something. It's like a toy maker shop. So if he was the Balliard, I think that would be a curveball. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see, won't we? We'll see. Because uh, maybe they've done that on purpose. Maybe it is to throw people. And also, bring back Toby Jones as the Dream Lord, whether or not he was a Valyard or not bring that character back. Yeah, it was a really good character. But in answer to what you said about spoilers and spoilery discussion, it's I think that's just like part and parcel of being like a modern sort of television programme these days and film, actually. It's really, really difficult to get by without the rumour mill and without theories. And actually, pre-internet, people would have been doing this anyway, you know, within their, you know, the, the privacy of their own homes, you know? So I just think it's always going to happen. I think it's baked in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really difficult, isn't it, to escape just the rumour mill uh, in any show you're passionate about. I've recently uh, taken up a lot of different Star Wars shows because a friend of mine is a big Star Wars fan, for example. And, like, getting away, even if you're, do you know what I mean, you, you try your hardest to avoid or you don't go on social media or whatever, any kind of, you know, if you, if you watch these things on streaming shows, cookies, essential cookies, whatever, that just track it, nearly every advert you see, every kind of article that comes up, all sorts. It's very, very difficult to kind of ignore that sphere of of influence. Um, but the only thing that well, at the same time goes with that is that it's just the amount of it. There's so many different theories, there's so many different things going on. They can't all Absolutely. be right. I, I, Do you know what I mean? I also so, add to that. Yeah. I think that if they wanted to keep David Tennant's recasting a secret, they just wouldn't have filmed out in the open. So it's obviously, in my mind, a bit of a ruse. So other things are going on. You know, I think they've. I think he's been on record as saying that there's a lot of exciting things going on. He's been filming with a lot of exciting people. Take that how you will. So I think they are keeping certain things under wraps. It's the 60th anniversary. I'd be really surprised if there weren't more doctors in there, more modern doctors like Matt Smith, who are yet to make a reappearance in the show. I'd be really, really, really surprised if they didn't do that. There's been rumours, hasn't there? I thought it was particularly telling um, that we've had certain doctors and certain certain doctors appear and certain doctors not appear. Um, so it will be interesting to see where that goes because i'm sure i'm sure if they wanted to have an episode or a series with all of them at the same time they would have asked all of them even christopher eccleston though he'd likely probably say no they'd still probably have asked him do you know what i mean so um yeah i think it's very telling maybe that there's there's some and the others but we'll just have to wait and see it's just a shame we've got to wait nearly 12 months <laughs> i think we should do another podcast 
purely about speculation or even our own speculation about the 60th anniversary because I've got a lot of thoughts on this and a little teaser I'd be you know I think one of the biggest surprises who could pull Doctor Who could pull would be to have Christopher Eccleston come back and I know there people say it's impossible there'd be there's been a lot of stories about why he left and the fallings out with Russell T Davis and now with Russell T Davis back in charge it's even more unlikely but you know, Russell T. Davis has matured a lot. His writing's matured. He's probably matured as an individual, as a showrunner. Christopher Eccleston will have matured. I'd be, you know, I'm holding out hope for that one. I mean, I'd hold out hope and it would be great to see him. Um, and maybe we will, but I, I, I doubt it. In my heart, I doubt it. I feel like he, I think he's, I know he does the big finish audios, but I think he's past it. I think he's gone. I also think like Capaldi came out recently and people have been saying, oh, he's probably lying and stuff. But it's like he's come out and gone, I've done my stint. I don't think every actor who is in the show is that bothered about coming back. I feel like they do their stint and that's it. Um, but we'll have to see. It's 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 really, it's, you know, if they want to do it for the fans or not. And if they don't come back, do you know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. You just And I think it's a show that, while it has such a tremendous past and such a historical past that's so rich that you can delve into, you've got to look forward. And I think that's the thing is that like maybe in the past, they've kind of with all the anniversary specials, they've looked at um, show, they've looked at episodes with previous doctors and how they can celebrate them. And maybe they're going more into territory now where they look into future doctors. Cause obviously we know Shooty's coming in We've seen the very briefest of footage of Shooty in a shirt and tie. Um, and it's like maybe this is one of the first anniversary specials that shows a future Doctor before they are the, the official kind of canon Doctor. Do you know what I mean? So they very briefly did it with Capaldi um, when they were like the all 13. Do you know what I mean? They're very, very brief snippets. So may, maybe they're going that way. We'll just have to wait and see, I think. I always thought that was an interesting concept and a nice spin on the multi-doctor thing by introducing a future doctor early, I thought was powerful. I don't, I don't think it's going to play like that in the 60th anniversary because they've already announced Shooty Gatwa as the next doctor. Would it be really interesting if they hadn't announced him and he does appear as, I've, I've always thought that's such a good idea for a Doctor Who storyline. They sort of played with it in that Christmas special, right? The next doctor with um, David Morrissey. Do you remember but it, but it didn't, you know, it, it's uh, obviously that was just its own plot, but I always thought that would be... A really interesting, interesting one, and if anyone hasn't seen this, I would suggest they go and watch it if they're interested in Old Who. Is actually, You're not going to bring up the Valiard again, are you? I'm not going to bring up the Valiard. Uh, the Tom Baker, Tom Baker's regeneration into Peter Davison uh, is actually a character called The Watcher. He doesn't regenerate like any other Doctor. Um, he actually, the entire episode, spoiler alerts, by the way, so if people do want to go and watch it, this is your warning. Um, he is basically followed the entire episode by this like white ghost um, that has no, it, it has a human form, but it has no face. There's no kind of distinguished marks about who or what it is. It's just like a ghostly figure that follows him around the entire episode. And then at the end, where he has the event which causes him to have to regenerate because of his injuries, um, he is approached by the this Watcher figure. And the Watcher basically amalgamates into Tom Baker, which kind of kicks... He climbs inside him. Yeah. Yeah, basically, which kicks up. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but that's basically what happens. And he, um, I know, I, I saw the scene. He, yeah, and it, it kickstarts the regeneration process. So that was like a, a different form, do you know what I mean? Of like, where you've had like a figure from like an external point of view. And it was never really explained, but it's quite an interesting into to a different part of regeneration, which is something they've done quite a lot of focus on recently, I've noticed in New Who is regenerations are really kind of um, focused It's one of the most interesting bits of it, isn't it? It's because that's what they were playing at with the Timeless Child arc, is that the Doctor is, you know, part of a race outside of the Time Lords that regenerates from a different universe. And regeneration isn't really a thing in, 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 the, in the Doctor Who universe without the Doctor, which I actually think is quite a good idea, but yeah. <laughs> Should we move on to talking about the 
I thought we'd talk about the plot of the centenary in general. Um, I've seen a lot of criticism online, Jerome. People would scoff and say, they'd say, um, well, they'd say, what plot? There didn't seem to be a plot. And I have seen it twice. And it's hard to disagree with. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. But I also kind of go, I mean, you'll, you'll disagree with me on this, Mike, and that's fine. But the timeless child arc just went out the window completely. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think time. that, I, I think, I feel like, I mean, I know we're going to get on to him towards the end, so I want to kind of save it for then. But this whole, Chibnall seems to be a man with very, very wild and inventive ideas. And for that, he should be, um, he should be um, celebrated. But he has no idea, in my opinion, what to do with them. I feel like he had this massive, big, wild idea about the timeless child. And then in his regeneration story for Jodie, kind of went, I don't know, this is too big and it's spiralling too much. And I don't know what to do with it. Maybe I'll just give it to Russell um, and just, just dumped it. Uh, and kind of did a cameo appearance from the Fugitive Doctor, which didn't really add anything or say much. Um, and then, yeah. And in a way, in a way... I wouldn't be surprised if Russell kind of dumps it and sort of throws it away and kind of starts something new because it's so big and it opens so many doors. Maybe it's something that will inevitably come back to be looked at, you know, going forward because at the end of the day, it's changed the law and history and Doctor Who. But I feel like before we get to that point where you can look at it in sort of multi, multi facets and, and things, I feel like it's just causing too many problems. I feel like they've got to go back to a sort of streamlined thing where they can then build on. Because at the moment, it's like you've got about seven, eight different plot arcs going on or like stories within the Doctor themselves, the companions, the the you sort of the multiverse now. It just seems a bit like... And I feel like my impression with the plot, the overall plot, saying that, I really enjoyed... Jodie's actual regeneration thought it was one of the best series, one of the best ever. But the plot, well, it looked beautiful. But yeah, like hundred percent. But the plot itself, it just seemed to just not. It just it was unraveling all over the place and didn't know what it was trying to tell. And I feel like that's my main problem with. So it was. I think we're probably in agreement. It is a classic Chibnall plot. It's not as it's not as coherent and as tightly woven as maybe a Stephen Moffat episode. You know, one of your flagship Stephen, Off- Stephen Moffat episodes, thinking Blink. I think, I think actually, I always think, I think particularly um, The Girl in the Fireplace. Um, the Girl in the Fireplace, I thought, was such a coherent narrative, and that's something that you come to expect from Stephen Moffat. Uh, Chris Chibnall was never that, you know. It was, it was, it was never a tightly woven narrative. You never got to an end to the end of a Chris Chibnall episode and thought, oh, now all of these things make sense. It's more just a series of things that are happening. And I came to quite like a lot of them. So I know that we've had to ditch a few of our recordings before this, but generally for the for the for the listener. I actually don't mind the timeless child stuff. You don't like it as much. It's, it, you know, it's it's really, I said, it's really controversial, isn't it? I don't mind it. A lot of what we wanted to do with this podcast going forward is to go back and watch old episodes of Classic Who and sort of see how the timeless child record sort of plays with a lot of those story beats. But I too, like like you, I was really disappointed with them not not doing anything with that specifically. Then if you remember from the trailer, I said that uh, I thought the regeneration energy was going to come from the watch. Um, uh, It was just completely ditched, wasn't it? And in answer to your sort of point, I I, I think that baton will be picked up at some point because, as you say, it's quite an integral part of the sort of who law these days now, or should I say but I don't think Russell T. Davis specifically would do anything with it. Although I could be surprised because he's a very creative storyteller, and actually he might, he might say, yeah, "Let's let's run with it." Yeah, I feel like it's um, it's an amazing idea, right? I just feel like it's it was, I, yeah, it's it's just, it's it's so big um, that to try and you know it was. 
I, I just personally feel like you say, like in this episode, he just didn't know what he wanted to do with it. And I feel like he's going to leave it um, to someone else to maybe figure out. But also at the same time, I mean, I, I can say this, I'm someone who loves old who, and I wasn't particularly overjoyed by the timeless child arc. But at the same time, like if you're watching Doctor Who with your ideal being consistency, um, you're watching the wrong show because I mean, Doctor Who, Doctor, Doctor Who is like, um, you know, changed so many rules and, and like kind of gone back on itself so many times before even knew who. I mean, in the first first eight Doctors, right? There's been so much that has just gone back in on itself and changed, and they've been able to do and haven't been able to do and all of this stuff. So I feel like if you're watching it for consistency, you're only ever going to be disappointed. And at the end of the day, we need to celebrate the ideas and the things that come with that. But I'm not against the idea that the Doctor may have loads and loads of other future selves, right? Um, I'm not I'm not against that. It's just I think it was this idea that almost like the value, it's like the value of the lives that we've seen as the audience, do you know what I mean? The ones we're aware of almost became less. Um which I don't, I don't mind the concept of it, but in terms of like, it can take away from, I don't know, some of some of the moments, some of the historic moments, uh, you know, or the thing. It maybe it like just lessens some of their achievements. Like for example, the, I lead back to the argument where it was like they were talking about Tenant and the Tenth Doctor, and this being the Fourteenth Doctor, and is that different? But does it take away from his ending, or you know, the fact when like. Um, Matt Smith's doctor, you know, is like he's 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 a he is in the belief that he's about to die. That's going to be the end of his life. And then he's granted all of these new regenerations by the Time Lords. Does that then go out the window? There's all of these like moments with all of them. And obviously, like, again, there's no consistency in the show. You just have to enjoy it. Each series means something new. But it's like, it does feel like it does take away from all of this. Yeah, because it's been going on for so long. I mean, it's literally been passed through generations and generations of television makers. Um, the rules are written as they go along, and I think, and I think Chris Chibnall, as, a, as an esteemed television writer, very much had that in mind. He was like, "We can do whatever we want. You know, you're not bogged down to certain rules." Just like um, I think Russell C. Davis did away with the. Um, 12 regeneration limit is it 12 or 13 can't remember in a sarah jane adventures episode i think that matt smith appeared in um i think they're talking about how many regenerations uh, a time lord can have and uh and i can't remember what the answer is but it's you know it's 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 not 13 put it that way so um i think i think they're all very aware that they can do what they want with it i would say about the timeless child storyline feels like a big bombastic movie idea doesn't it as opposed to uh, a sort of see well, it could be explored in a series but i think i think every episode would have to be dedicated to it i thought that's what flux was going to be to be honest um but it turns out it wasn't i thought i thought you know the classic doctor who thing monster of the week i just i don't think I, I think you need to dedicate a hell of a lot of time to a big new idea like that and i don't think they ever really did um they didn't explore the time of child stuff even though i think a lot of people expected them to um the joe martin cameo i completely agree with you i think it was i think it was a good bit of fan service to make sure that she was brought in and i thought her scene was excellent except it doesn't do anything to further the fugitive doctor narrative at all i thought they were going to concentrate hard on the relationship between the Doctor and Yaz because I've grown to really like that. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really emotional and very well done. I think they're both extraordinary actors. And the whole time I was there waiting for... I kind of expected them to kiss. I, I expected something like undoctor-like to happen with that relationship. And it didn't. And I'm really disappointed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I was actually glad they didn't. Um, partly because I actually thought the, um, the, the, the way they handled it, I, I don't feel personally like they needed to kiss. I feel like that romance was already there. It was already aware. It was already blossomed. I think it's like, it was in a way, it was more realistic. 
in the sense that like you know everyone's been there where you've maybe had a crush on someone and then you that that it finally gets to the point where you're told about you know like they accept that they know sort of thing and it's that awkward conversation where it's like we both know we kind of like each other but maybe for what x y and z reason it can't happen and it's kind of like people talk about it and it's like you know i don't know there was just something very i thought kind of beautifully subtle about it which is not something i would attribute to a lot of the work within Chibnall's series but in this particular relationship um I I actually thought it was a really lovely way of doing it I also thought the way she asked for the privacy to go and regenerate by herself as the kind of I don't want you to see me become someone I want you to know me as me kind of thing I want you I want our relationship and it was nice in a way because it kind of made even though this character is the same character it's still they're still different every time and it's like every time they meet, they are different people, even though it's the same. What I was confused about the ending is I just felt Yaz was kind of fobbed off a little bit. And I thought that the Doctor would just regenerate. If she wanted the privacy of the regeneration, she would go through and do that and then go back to get her. Well, we don't know that doesn't happen. It's not actually being confirmed that, um, that Yaz isn't going to come back. I don't think they have actually confirmed that, but I think it's expected. So I thought the next thing that we should discuss just to do with the plot of the episode is we should definitely talk about the classic doctors, the space in between, rege- you know, in between regenerations to a degree. The, 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 I can't remember what they call it officially, but, but, but where the regenerations go once they're regenerating and the surprises that they manage to keep. Um, I don't really have an affinity for past doctors like you do, so I'll let you lead this one. And um, what are your thoughts? Um, I just thought it was a re- it was a really nice way of bringing them in. Um, I think it was a really nice way to reflect sort of Jodie's doctor's mindset, where she's at the kind of the things she's had to deal with in terms of. It was interesting in a way because one of my grievances with Chibnall was when Jodie started I don't think they had a clear idea personally I don't think they had a clear idea for her identity or her character she very much felt to me as an amalgamation of lots of different people before her which to be fair a lot of the doctors do but hers felt very loose compared to like other strong choices from like previous incarnations I do think as the series went on, it became a lot clearer. And I think the good thing for me on Jodie's portrayal was that she kind of, I felt a lot more connected to her doctor in the latter series than the earlier series. But what was nice was in this moment with the older doctors, it just kind of felt like a a sort of meeting of minds and a kind of clearing of sort of her doctor and her identity and kind of what, what she because at the end of the day it's the same person but they're all giving different do you know what i mean different dimensions to what to what she is to what to what her her time is um and from their perspective it was really nice to see them because obviously tom baker's a fan favorite um the new doctors are a fan favorite tenant smith all of them but it was really nice to see actors who may not have had the best tenures in terms of received criticism or or were struggling on the sense of, you know, maybe they're not the attractive sides of the Doctors in the sense that, like, you know, people love David Tennant, they love Matt Smith. Like, these are older guys, maybe Paul McGowan less so, but these are older guys, do you know what I mean? They're at the, t- the tail ends of their careers. It was nice for them to be brought back and celebrated in a way that seemed amiable. And I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like it was just a nice way. I particularly, particularly loved the scenes where they um re uh peter davison and sylvester mccoy were having conversations with their companions um i particularly enjoyed sylvester mccoy's one because while sylvester mccoy again the series the writing the show suffered from some really horrendous writing in his tenure but one of the strong points of his his span as the doctor in my opinion is his relationship with ace it's it's probably the best it's the best companion he had for sure. And she's probably one of the best Doctor Who companions ever, which is why they've brought her back. And that's great. It's amazing that she got to come back. 
Um, but I just felt like it was really. It was- I love the line and the delivery of. Uh, he says that's Ace or something. You know, he says her name. Yeah. Um, Ace. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was so lovely and so well done. And he looks really joyous when he's doing it. Yeah, and also like the 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 battles as well between him and Paul McGann's doctor. Where it's like, oh, I don't do robes, and it's like, there's always one. Do you know what I mean? Even just those little kind of battles. That's, it's just great. I think it it wasn't it wasn't overdone. They weren't in it for too long. Do you know what I mean? It, it didn't pull focus from everything else that was going on, but it was just enough to kind of go, hey guys, the you may not know who these people are, or you may never have seen episodes where they were the Doctor, but they're a big part of the show. Like they are, they regardless of what you think. And when I say you, I just mean whoever, like the general sphere. Like, they are the reason the show is still existing today. Do you know what I mean? Because there was nice. fans of each of them. I thought they did it extremely well. And I thought if you are going to bring back a cohort of past um, uh, classic Who Doctors, you do that in the Centenary special. It's a celebration of the BBC. It's a celebration of a hundred years of the British Broadcasting, you know, corporation. Yeah. I thought it was lovely, and the BBC and the Doctor Who has been so integral to that. It's a show unlike any other. It was really interesting they brought David Bradley back as his William Hartnell role as well, because while people Fantastic. may not, yeah, do you know what I mean? Just a re- again a really nice touch, and I actually think he plays the William Hartnell role really well, actually. Um, and it's interesting because I know I was wondering if we were going to see um, what's his name? Oh God, the guy from he does um, Inside Number Nine. I cannot remember his name. The writer, anyway. He yeah, is, is, he played. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Um, very, Patrick, very, very, um, yeah, yeah. He very, very, very briefly played Patrick Troughton. And I was wondering whether he was going to make an appearance, but obviously he didn't. But maybe in the future that will be further scoped. Do you know what I mean? Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe someone will come in to play John Pertwee, because I'm sure they will. I'm sure they've considered it. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there are actors who could probably come in and play those shoes, but also it's respecting the memory of those people as well. Do you know what I mean? It's That's interesting as well, isn't it? Because it's Doctor Who especially now with Disney Plus and everything that's going on with Bad Wolf Corporation, this show is going to run and run and run like it should do, like it always has done. At what point do you ditch the bringing back old Doctor's shtick? Because there's going to be so many of them. And and also with the Times Child and stuff, there's so many hidden Doctors that you don't know about. It's when does it, when, when is it not, when does it not work anymore? And I think that's part of the reason why if they are going to do it, it's going to annoy a lot of people, I know it will, but I think it's true. You bring back the flagships, don't you? You bring back your David Tennant's, who's synonymous with the part, like Tom Baker is. It's why they, in the 50th, they brought back Tom Baker, didn't they? And they didn't have any of the other classic Doctors. They're just so linked with the show in people's, in the public's imagination. But I thought the centenary was an absolutely lovely way to tribute classic Doctors. And I thought they did it really well, really well. Yeah, no, they did. I, I, I really, it was a really lovely touch. Um, and that's the thing with this episode. It made absolutely no sense, but there were some lovely moments. In it. It, I mean, it made absolutely no sense. And you know what? I'm not that annoyed because it, at the end of the day, if you're not going to make it sense, at least be entertaining. And it was entertaining. And that's what matters. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I mean, I also think, um, you know, we have to give a quick shout out to Sasha Darwan as well. Um, because when I when he first came in as the master, I wasn't too keen. I felt like I feel like it's become very popular for actors who play either the master or the doctor to be wild, to be kind of like energetic and oh, I'm all over the place. And do you know what I mean? Like kind of rampant sort of hysteria. Um, but I feel like he made the character. As- and I think I think this actually performance in this episode was his strongest to date. Um, and I really, yeah, I thought he was really good. And when you know that the twist came of him, um, it was actually it was weird. Like that the idea, the mark that's not a unique idea, the master trying to like steal the doctor's, do you know what I mean, identity or regenerations. That's been done before. But not to regenerate to the into the doctor but, is a completely different yeah, beast, isn't actually, it? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, but that that's like a classic idea they've built on. Do you know what I mean? And that for me was like a very true representation of the Master's character, which I thought was cool. There was loads of cool stuff in it. There's loads of things they did really well. Um, it just made absolutely zero sense at all. But it was like, 
but it was um no it was cool but i agree with you just quickly just linking back onto the yaz thing i i really like the way they kind of ended the relationship or like they kind of the, the jody and um mandip left it with each other i thought was good but i i didn't like the way that she was just then put in the room it would have been nice to have given her a little bit more depth of exploration as to like what she did afterwards um but i mean at the end of the day what it's a 90 minute episode do you know what i mean there's a lot to fill in the, you know it's like where do you stop so i, I get it i get it. it's probably a shame but I, I reckon mandip will probably come back to be honest at some point and i think jody will Oh yeah, I think I think so. I think I, I yeah, I definitely think so. I think with Man, with uh, Mandip as well, it's um, it's I think she's the longest running New Who companion, and you feel that actually because I really feel like I got to know that character actually. I think they did really well with Yaz in the end, and I was really invested in that emotional connection. I just didn't really like how it was left. Anyway, we've got limited time left because I know you need to go, and we've still got a few big things to cover. So. I thought we should just briefly talk about um, Ace and Tegan. Uh, again, another brilliant idea for a centenary episode, I think, to bring back two classic, recognisable characters. And I thought that they were utilised really well, to be honest. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I thought they were really good. I think, you know, um, I think uh, they both they both got things to do. They both had their moments, which was really nice. Um, Ace... He's like, or a last experiment. If you don't know, it's from the Sylvester McCoy era. And it's like when the master basically, um, he, he basically enslaves a cheetah race, but he injects himself with a cheetah virus, ends up fighting the doctor on like a cliff um, and is like kind of half Time Lord, half cheetah. So like little things like that, where there were just references to like, I know it's it's crazy. This was, this was the standard of writing we were going with, but you know, there we are. And it's... Um, for all viewers who can't see what's happening, I just saw Mike like laugh his laugh his little beard off there and I had to relate to that. But um it's uh yeah, it it was really it was like there were just little moments that they each got. And I thought the um parachute into the TARDIS was awesome. That was fantastic and very well done. Um It was such a good shot. I also I really liked how they made them action heroes they weren't just there for a quick cameo they were there as an integral part of the story and i thought it served them both as actors incredibly well to be honest and also kate stewart really like her i think a really oh. solid solid addition solid addition she's a solid to, new who character isn't she yeah a really nice foil to everything else that's going on around her because it would be very easy to have again another character who's very energetic very kind of like passion filled excitement and you need that anchor I feel like in those so you really need that anchor and I feel she really plays that really really nicely so yeah I've loved, I think I've loved that there. character since they introduced her in the Stephen Moffat because I, I completely agree I really like her energy around quite manic characters and I thought she was fantastic mm -hmm. At showing her how scared she was about being converted as well, even though she's this really powerful figurehead of unit and she's a, a leader for you know thousands and thousands of people. I thought the fear that they brought because it is, I mean, you'd be so scared. I thought it was, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic performance, almost a show stealer, to be honest. I really, really, really liked her. I think it was yeah. I think it it was just some really nice elements to all of all of these these characters. Um, and and that's the thing. Like, the plot made no sense, but it was by no means a bad episode. There were some lovely moments throughout, and real character like development or character peak moments where they got to shine. Even like you know, I mean. The Daleks will save for another time, um, but it's like done to death. It's always the biggest argument against them. But again, brought something new. Do you know what I mean? It was a fresh and you go, oh, that's interesting. And also like the Cybermen, it's like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, with coming as a classic villain brings forth the kind of thing that people get bored of you. And you're not as scary because you're seen as regularly. But again, like you say, because she was so scared of conversion, it brings back to the roots of going, actually, you know, that's a really terrifying, horrible thing to have happen to a person. 
like a really I remember watching just quickly I remember watching the David Tennant one where I think it was Age of Steel where they first were brought back in New Who and it's like and they were but you could actually see the machines and the saws like cutting into people and it was like that is just horrendous do you know what I mean? And all this stuff. And it was like that, that, that is like, yeah, you want those things. You want to make these characters because it's a family show. Of it's a family show. But they're villains, they're monsters, you know, they are yeah. scary. That's um but it's, yeah. anyway, it's interesting. I think we should talk about this on a future podcast, really deep dive into that, because I agree the Daleks and the Cybermen, kind of as viewers, you kind of desense kind of desensitized to them now and actually i thought that just in that brief moment of cake stewart being really really scared it brought a lot of terror back into it which i think is yeah we should talk about that so i think what we should what we should sort of finish on let's do another podcast about the chris chibnall era in general because i know we've both got a lot of thoughts about it but let's just finish because we have 12 months between now and the next doctor who episode <laughs> yeah. i mean to lovingly talk about chris chibnall we're gonna have a lot uh, yeah. of content to cover yeah so i think we should just end talking about jodie wicker and the 13th doctor in general um because i'll just start with my thoughts I did, it took me a while to warm up to the 13th Doctor and Jodie Whittaker's portrayal in general. The more time, this always happens, you really age with, with Doctors. The more time you spent in their company, the more it makes sense to me. And I actually got to the point where I was enjoying her performance so much. It was really emotional to see her go. And I thought she's really embodied it. I think she was the, I think maybe she's been underwritten, you know, in, in areas. And I also think that there's been a case that it's been quite inconsistent scheduling. I know everything that happened with Flux during the, you know, the pandemic, it was supposed to be a fully fleshed out series. They couldn't do that. So they did the best they could. And they made this like mini serial thing. And that affected how much time you got to spend with her. But I thought she's an excellent actor. I think she really made the 13th Doctor her own. I really warmed up to her. I also recognise that I'm not the target audience for that for for her doctor either. So, and I think that's really important as well because if you log on somewhere like Twitter, you just see the outpouring of love and appreciation for her. And I thought, yeah, she's been excellent in the role, and I can't wait to see her back because I know she will come back eventually. I think she's been quite open that she'd love to do more doctor stuff, and you know, I think I think yeah, big time. Um. Yeah, I, I I probably like echo most of what you've said. To be honest, I I, I struggled with the Thirteenth Doctor at first. Um, again, I think yeah, because in parts it was underwritten. I don't think they had a clear plan maybe for the identity at first in terms of what they wanted to do. Which I don't think is just the character. I think that's just been Chibnall's sort of thing. I, uh, that's been his era. It's just it's kind of been great ideas, but. Not, like it's almost a case of like we'll throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks um but the more i watched jodie yeah the more i got to just really love her embodiment of the character and what she's done with it and some of the you know there were some really nice changes um we saw in her as well like her emotions and her kind of mood and i think as well like for me um I don't, i'm not against having loads of people in the tardis but I do think like when you can focus in on that one other person like Yaz and really kind of grow that relationship, it is a really good thing for that doctor because you can just, you really kind of get to it, not just explore the companion, but through the companion, you get to explore more of the doctor. And I feel like when there were three of them in the TARDIS, it just made very, it was very kind of erratic and, and sort of like loose. And it didn't really go beyond surface level, which I think was a problem for Jodie's doctor. Um, but Flux, I really enjoyed her performance in Flux. I really enjoyed her performance in this last one. I thought, I thought, I genuinely thought the regeneration scene and her um, her leading into it, where she's kind of going right then, do Doctor, whoever you're meant to be, or what, whoever's next, whatever it is, she said, and then kind of went tag, you're it. When she said tag, you're it, I was like that childlike quality, that kind of like sort of giddy school child element. That's your Doctor. And that's fine. Like, 
Yeah, it's like regardless of whether I like fully like she was my favorite or she wasn't my favorite. Just in that last line alone, I got the sense of I know who your doctor is. I know who your doctor is, and I feel like we got there. Do you know what I mean? We got there in the end, and I feel like in time, in time, she will become she will come to be one of the loved doctors do you know what I mean who people really adored um I think it's just a shame like you say that maybe it's going to be in hindsight she just didn't get the recognition she probably deserved at the time but to be fair she's not that's not new that's not the she's not the first doctor to have that treatment do you know what I mean there's been quite a few who've, who've gone through that um and I think, like, she will. She'll get the kudos she deserves, and I'm sure she'll, I also, she'll, she'll like, be Like I said, I think I think in certain spheres she might not get this doctor hasn't been received quite quite as warmly as maybe past straight white male doctors, but but but, but, but there's, there's literally armies of fans that, are, you know, absolutely pour as much attention into the 13th Doctor that people like yourself and myself poured into David Tennant or Matt Smith. I think I think it is I think so much of it and so much of Doctor Who is it's for so many different people and it and it and it and the show itself regenerates, you know. I, I just I just think it's I think I think there's already such an outpouring of love for her. And and now that now that we get to re, now that we get to view the whole sort of the whole story of her doctor, I mean I really came around to it. So yeah, just yeah. She'll, she'll always she'll also be she will always be the first ever female doctor. That's massive. Amazing. Yeah, it is that amazing. That's that huge. And like she um as well, do you know what I mean? Like I was talking about earlier with consistency of the show. It's like this was a massive change. And like let's be let's be real, it could have gone horribly wrong in the sense of like there could have been like real kind of awful reactions from the fan base like the male side of the fan base do you know what i mean there could have been all of this stuff that went completely west and i think she's won people over really well um and i feel like she's kind of proved to everyone as well that it's like the doctor like everyone has like the doctors for everyone do you know what i mean it's not just for um a select bunch of people it's like you're meant to see doctor who's meant to be a show that is universal it is diverse it kind of, you know, it kind of it, it engages with all problems and all matters and all people, and I think that's what that's why people love the show and want it to continue because there's something for everyone. Um, yeah. And just kudos to her, absolutely fair play to her. I think she did a great job. Me too. I think that's a lovely note to end it on. Um, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Who Doesn't Give a Podcast. We're going to try and be more consistent. Not that that's going to mean anything to you because this is We're the first episode you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna come back next week i'm gonna have three legs mike's gonna be uh <laughs> mike's uh i don't know you're gonna be uh he, he's gonna come in as paul mccartney instead of john lennon the oh, viewers since there we're ne- since we're never releasing the video um no one's gonna know what you're talking about <laughs> lovely all right um i'm gonna stop the recording And that's the pilot. Thanks so much for listening. We're just a two-person team, so there isn't really a list of credits for people to thank, apart from you know ourselves and you, if if, if you listen. Uh, so thanks very much. Hit subscribe. I don't really know how that's going to work yet. I'm going to have to put it out. But if you want to sort of hear from us as soon as we manage to get the second episode out, if you've hit subscribe, I'm sure that means you'll get some sort of notification. Thank you very much. <laughs>